Well, Jill and I are just thrilled. We're so happy to be here. Um, we have received, we, we pulled in last Friday, and uh, it has just been a, such a warm, hospitable welcome Rimrock has given us. Thank you for that. Thank you for just receiving us uh, in such a, such a joyful way. We, we feel so, so amazed and overwhelmed by it. Uh, so thank you. We, we are so excited to uh, be here with you, to join together in what God has for us together here at Rimrock. We believe God is up to something, um, not just because I'm coming, but even before uh, I came, I think God was up to something, and He's going to continue to work. He's faithful. He uses His church for great things. Um, hey, maybe you're here for the first time like me uh, and my wife, and uh, Boomer mentioned this morning the first step class, which is next hour. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you've been here a couple times. I have discovered already that Rimrock is an amazing community of people, and I, I would want you to experience that as well. So I invite you to go to that class, and then uh, I think there's another class next week called Base Camp that will just continue to help you grow and see how can you plug in and be part of this body. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life is the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world... And though, though through him all things were made, the world did not recognize him. Though he came to those who were his very own, his own did not receive him. Yet those who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you join me in praying this morning? Father, thank you for sending the word to us. Jesus, you came to reveal who God is. And we here this morning are here because we hunger to know you. And so, Jesus, speak to us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to open our hearts to not only receive, but to believe what you have said. Thank you, Lord. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1 opens up this amazing gospel, this amazing testimony to who Jesus is. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at Jesus, the Word of God. And we're going to be looking at seven signs, seven miracles that Jesus did to reveal who He is as the Word of God. And as we look at these seven signs, we're going to be looking at specifically how Jesus wants to bring life to us. Now, if you noticed in my, uh, in my sermon title, I said the seven signs of the kingdom. And some of you Bible students might be wondering if we're doing a series in the Gospel of John, why I use the word kingdom. 
because many of the other Gospels use the word kingdom often. In fact, Jesus talked about the kingdom almost more than anything else. If you remember the Lord's Prayer when He taught us to pray, He said, Father, hallowed be Your name. May Your kingdom come. May Your will be done. And so this idea of the kingdom is, is woven throughout the Gospel story and of who Jesus is. But, you know, the Gospel of John doesn't use that word as often. And yet... John, as uniquely as the Holy Spirit filled this follower of Jesus, I think references the kingdom in a, in a very powerful, applicable way with a word that I, I'm convinced is a reference to the kingdom of God. And, the, and it's actually two words, eternal life. Eternal life. And if you read the Gospel of John, you see that he refers back over and over again to this idea of eternal life. In fact, in the opening that I just quoted to you, he says, in him was life, and that light is the light for all mankind. Life. We were made for life. <laughs> we were made to live. And so as we go through these seven miracles, these seven signs of Jesus, we're going to be looking at how Jesus brings life to us and to our world. And so if you would turn with me to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we're going to be looking at the very first sign that Jesus did. Now, John doesn't record all the miracles of Jesus. He only picked seven. And he picked these seven, I think, for a very spe specific reason. And so would you stand with me as we read this story this morning in honor of God's Word? third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 100 to 20 liters. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, I'll draw and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from. And though the servants who had drawn the water knew... Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone who brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And the, do you guys have the words in front of you? Let's read verse 11 all together. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You may be seated. Isn't it interesting that Jesus went to a wedding? <laughs> what is it about weddings? I love in the Gospels when uh, some of the Gospel writers record Jesus' teaching. Jesus refers often to the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 22, he says, The kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. That is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible because it's telling us something about who God is and what He's doing in our world. Now, weddings are, are, are wonderful events. I've, as a pastor, I've been able to be part of lots of weddings. And, and, uh, but my first wedding 
that I went to was actually my own <laughs> with my beautiful bride, Jill. And uh, I, even though I was a pastor's kid, he was always a church planner. He was always uh, out uh, on the fringes of society. So I wasn't part of a lot of weddings growing up. But, but my first wedding was awesome because it was my own. <laughs> and I loved it. And uh, I've, I've, I'm so thankful for my beautiful wife, bride. But weddings are places of joy, places where there's food and there's laughter and there's dancing, right? And Jesus was invited to this wedding. Now, this is on the shores of Galilee, and so these are small towns, and so these would have been people Jesus probably knew, people that had grown up with Jesus and his family. And so um, in a small town wedding, I'm sure there were lots of people from that town invited, and so it was kind of a community affair. But isn't it interesting, and I'm going to make a few observations out of this story, in verses 1 through 3, what's the first thing that happens as, as they're celebrating this wedding? The wine runs out, right? <laughs> it's all gone. And uh, the first observation I want to make is a lot of times in our human feasting, there is not full satisfaction, right? We've all been to parties, and we've done things in our lives, and we've We've, we've, we've sought different pleasures in our lives, but a lot of times we find that those are very momentary, fleeting pleasures. And so the first observation I make from this story that I think John is drawing our attention to is that human feasting is limited in its satisfaction that it produces. Isn't that true? Haven't you experienced that in life? I know I have. Is that there, there are momentary joys and pleasures in life, but, but many times they are fleeting. They do not last. And we see that limitation here because we have finite resources, right? The wine runs out. And so there's a problem. And John highlights that problem. And that problem is something that we can all identify. We all know that pleasures in this life are fleeting. We've experienced that. We know that deep inside. And so our human feasting is limited. But here's the second observation from verses 4 through 8. As Mary recognizes the problem, who does she run to? She runs to Jesus, right? She goes to Jesus and she says, do something about this. <laughs> Change the situation, right? Can't you see that there's something amazing happening in Mary's heart? There is faith that is activated in Mary's heart because she knew who Jesus was. Probably no one else in that party fully knew who Jesus was. Many of those people had grown up with Jesus, but they did not realize that He was the Son of God, that He was the Word of God. But Mary, if you remember from Luke 2, had treasured up in her heart all the things that God had done in preparing His birth. It was a miraculous birth of the Holy Spirit. She had seen the shepherds come. She had seen the wise men come. She had seen the work of the Spirit of God in bringing Jesus to this world. And so Mary, her faith was activated. Isn't it interesting in this moment of weakness, in this moment of lack, faith is activated in the heart of Mary. She sees who Jesus is and she goes to him. What do we see here? We see that Jesus is the author of faith. We see faith in Mary. Now, we don't only see faith in Mary. There's someone else we see faith in because what does Jesus do? He tells the servants to take some jars and fill them with water. Now, these servants <laughs> are kind of in a precarious position, right? So there's this feast going on, 
and the wine is run out, and Jesus says, fill these with water, and then he says, take the cup to who? The master. <laughs> now these servants, they are taking a big risk here, right? They're taking some water, as far as they know, to the master who's expecting wine. Now this, as we know, missed expectation causes conflict. This is a recipe for conflict right here. And these servants are in a precarious position. But what do they do? Like Mary, their faith is activated. They obey. They follow what Jesus says. They take the water to the master. And so what do we see here? We see the sign that Jesus did was done for Mary and the servants. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus activates faith in these few. But here's the third observation that I want to make with you this morning. Verses 9 through 10. What do we see? As the servants bring the wine, which they, as far as they know is water, as they bring it to the master, the master tasted it. And what does he do? He says, wow, this is the best wine. <laughs> you saved the best for now. This is incredible. But here, here's the key. Here's what I want you to hold on to. Everyone experienced the joy of the new wine. Okay? Do you see that? Do you catch that? So Mary and the servants, their faith was activated in that moment because they understood who Jesus was, who he is. No one else understood or knew what was happening. But everyone experienced the joy. Now what does that tell us about God? He is a generous God. He lavishes His love upon us. He is a God who wants to bring joy, not to a few, but to everyone. Isn't that amazing? He is so generous. And we see that God brings joy to the entire party. Everyone experiences the new wine. Now, I want to tell you a quick story where I've experienced this. Um, one of my privileges and my, my ministry has been able to travel and, and, and be part of, of, of what God is doing around the world. And uh, for eight years, the church I was part of in Minnesota, we, we took teams to Chihuahua, Mexico, which is northern Mexico. And um, it was a joy because over that eight years, we worked with about five churches. And we saw these churches start as just very small uh, churches, about 30 people. And over those eight years, we watched them explode, not only in numbers of, of people coming to their church, but of sending out church planners. And we saw a real move of God's Spirit over those eight years in northern Mexico. But this morning, I want to tell you about one of the pastors that we worked with. His name was Jesus Molinar. And uh, he had such an impact on my life for many reasons, but he had a, a disorder that caused his bones as he was a child growing up to be brittle and to break. And so his entire childhood was filled with uh, falls or bumps and bones shattering, breaking. And so his entire childhood was filled with surgeries and casts and, and wheelchairs. In fact, when I only knew Pastor Molinar in a wheelchair. He was confined to a wheelchair. And I've broken a few bones and, and that's painful, but I can't even begin to imagine an entire life filled with broken bones. But that was his experience. But as he was growing up, he had a radical encounter with Jesus, and it changed his life forever. And one of the first things you notice when you walked into Jesus's church, Pastor Molinad's church, was joy. Um, I have lived in Minnesota a long time. Uh, I almost consider myself a Minnesotan. I'm married to a Minnesotan. But 
Minnesotans don't express a lot of joy. <laughs> we're, 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 we're pretty stoic people, okay? There, there is joy, but we just don't show it as much, okay? <laughs> you know, we're pretty reserved, and, and we don't show a lot. But I, I, I tell you, as we took teens from Minnesota into these churches, by the end of a week, I watched Minnesotans dance. Wow. <laughs> Literally dance. <laughs> it's amazing. But there was a contagious joy in this church. And it came from Pastor Molinar. This man beamed with a joy that came from God. It was extraordinary. Everyone who came in contact with this man experienced the Spirit of God producing a supernatural joy. When he would preach, he would sit in his wheelchair and you could feel him, his energy come from his body as, as, as his passion and excitement for God radiated out. And so many people in that church had experienced the gospel of Jesus as they heard the gospel proclaimed with joy. I remember one day in, that, in, a, in a worship service there, uh, I, was, I was looking and I saw a lady in the back and tears were just streaming down her eyes. And so I went to the back of the church and I, I began to talk with her and I said, I said, why, why are you crying? And she said, I'm, I'm so happy. And, and I've, I've discovered a universal principle. Older people usually don't like the music of younger people. <laughs> and, uh, and this is true in Mexico. And so I said, do you like the music? And she said, no, I don't like the music because it was really loud and they were all like young people up there uh, jamming. And I said, I said then wh why are you so happy? And she said, I'm so happy because those young people are worshiping Jesus. And I said, wow. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. But I said, how, how did you come to, to this church? And she said, um, she said, I wasn't, I didn't know Jesus most of my life. In fact, she said, I lived just a few blocks from this church. And every Sunday I would go to a market and I would walk by this church. And she said, I was miserable. I, I hated my life. But every Sunday I would walk past this church and I would look in the doors and I had the same thought for years she said for years I had this thought I would look in and I'd say why are those people so happy and she and she would keep walking and she would ask herself why are those people so happy she said one day I was walking by and instead of continuing on I decided why don't I go in and find out and she walked in that church and she heard the gospel of Jesus and she said I'm happy now I have joy in my heart that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. In fact, this week I met with someone who's part of Rimrock who said, before I knew Jesus, I didn't have joy. But God has produced joy in my life. And Because I, I was telling him, I see joy in you. See, that's what Jesus does. He produces joy. Now, here's the final point, And we're going to celebrate communion here in a few minutes. And I, but I want you to hold on to this. Jesus is the new and better wine. Let's not miss that. Let's not read the story and miss what, 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 the, what the, the writer, the, the apostle John understood in verse 11. What Jesus did here at Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Do you catch that? The apostle John understood that Jesus is the new and better wine. Now last week, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the message. Bill Ewing gave a phenomenal message on alcohol. And I've, I've been in church my whole life. I've rarely heard sermons on alcohol. But, but he made such an important point. The most important thing for us as believers is to know God. 
to be filled with the Spirit. Bill made a point. We are to be intoxicated with the Spirit of God. That is the point of the story. Jesus is the new and better wine. Where does the joy come from? It's not from the wine. It's not from the party. It's from Jesus being there. Jesus is the one who brings life. If he's not there, there is no life. There's no lasting joy. But if Jesus is with us, if he's in our hearts, it changes everything. It produces what we cannot do on our own. Would you, uh, I would invite the servers to come up and we're going to prepare to take communion this morning. I wanted to do this with you on my first Sunday with you because Jesus left two things for us to do as followers of his. He said that we are to be baptized, but then he also said we are to do in remembrance of him this thing called communion, which is a meal that we share together. Now, this meal is for believers, followers of Jesus, okay? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I would implore you, today is the day that you can know him. And uh, we'll, we'll pass it out here in a minute. And when, I, when we pass it out, I'd ask you to hold on to the bread and the, and the cup. But here's what I would implore you to do. If you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I would ask you to abstain. But I would ask you to consider, like Mary and the servants, would you put your trust in Jesus? Today is the day that you can know the joy of Jesus. But if you're a believer here this morning, please take, take this bread and take this cup. And we're going we're gonna to do it all together. But here's what I want you to think about. A lot of times we do this and we kind of do it somberly because we, we're aware of our sin and our need for forgiveness. And that's a part of this. But this morning I want you to think about something else that Jesus said. He said, I'm going to drink and eat this again with you someday. He said, when my kingdom is fully revealed, we're going to do this again. And what Jesus is saying there is there's joy in doing this together because we believe and we hold that Jesus is making all things new. Some of you are here and you've lost loved ones. Some of you have been through some very painful things. But as we take this, remember, Jesus is making all things new again, all things right again. And those who have gone before us all of history will culminate in this thing called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb, where we will eat and drink together again. There will be a big party, and Jesus is going to be at the head of the table. And we're all going to eat and drink together. And as we do this this morning, we're thinking about what's coming. God is doing this. He's preparing the way for us to experience this. And at that table is going to be everyone who's ever lived and been a, been a follower of God, who's loved God, who's received the grace of God. Everyone's going to be at that table, and we're going to be together. And, and Rimrock, I've got to be honest with you, as I prepared this morning, I walked down by the creek and I saw the memorial for Pastor Steve, and, 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 and I know many of you are still grieving, but Pastor Steve will be at that table, and so will be all those who have gone before us, and we will be together, and we will be with Jesus. Will we take it this morning? I want you, and we'll, let's go ahead and pass it out. Let's hold on to your elements, and let's take it all together.